And welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate, and sometimes the Almighty Thor is here. Uh, this is a uh, <laughs> Th- Th- Thorgate this week, everyone. Uh, we're we're gonna get it down and down and dirty with the the Norse mythology, and happen to record this on the weekend where Thor: Love and Thunder is coming out in theaters. So that's some nice uh, podcast synergy that we got going right there. Uh, maybe we'll show up on some Google results and boost our our listener count with this. Uh, <laughs> joining us today, we got M. Hello. And Jimmy Dean. Hello. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is Thor's Hammer, um, Stargate SG-1, Season 1, Episode 9. Uh, and like, yeah, like, like I said, Thor, well, I just saw... Uh, the fourth Thor movie and Jimmy Dean, I know you you saw it too. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought I just thought maybe we could take a second to talk about this movie because that that it's it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot to process that fucking movie. All I know, um, it, all I know about it is that everyone on Twitter is fighting about it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's which is yeah. I it, mean, it, I can see it being divisive. Uh huh. You could say that about it. I, I, I'm getting a, a bit of Rise of Skywalker feel out of that movie, even though it's not quite the same amount of disappointing and terrible, but it's just, it's a weird mess. And it's, it's, it's a bunch of scenes that, like, it, it looks like the director, like, had, was flailing around trying to be funny and trying to, like, find the through line of this movie. And there's not much of one. It's a bunch of scenes that very, wildly in terms of how enjoyable they are to watch and it's it's a weird thing uh yeah my uh, i have several issues with thor love and thunder uh Mm -hmm. the biggest of it is i don't know what the movie's about like (laughs) i know the plot structure i don't know what this movie's trying to convey on a thematic level yeah Uh, as as much as an MCU movie dabbles in uh, themes, like mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok is about imperialism and colonialism and and coming to terms with your society being built right. on on that stuff. Uh, this film, I have no idea. I have yeah, no right. idea what it's about. That that's what makes it disappointing. Is Ragnarok was another very funny movie about Thor, uh, made by all the same people. Uh, that everyone liked, well, most, most people like Ragnarok, I would say, like if you took a random poll of a sampling of uh, people who are maybe uh, not uh, in the angry Twitter uh, slice of the population. It's definitely let's say. one of the better of the later MCU movies. Right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun, it's funny, and like you said, it has a strong thematic through line, and it's about, like, uh, it's about generational guilt following a, a legacy of being a colonialist power and having to deal with it and reparations and all of that stuff. And it's like, you, you could feel it had something to say. Love and Thunder is, it's about love. Like, okay, it's so, like, it's in the title, right? 
but it's it's like the really most surface level kind of like it's about dad love specifically at the end because kind of like romantic love is there a little bit but it's not the core of the movie either so you kind of get to the end and it's like by the way this like according to interviews super queer movies it's about how it's real cool to be a dad of a daughter so yeah real <laughs> real queer reading of it right there um there there is one like gay character who has like one scene that like showcases it and that can easily be cut for whatever Marcus Disney doesn't want to show that to as they usually do with all those movies um and uh yeah so so like the bad guy in Love and Thunder is a guy who wants to kill every god and he's going after the Asgardians because of that so like yeah okay that's a good place to start your plot but then like Thor and friends go to the planet where all the gods live and they can't get along, and they kill a bunch of them on their way out. So, like, if you, if you just take a tally of how many gods die on this movie, most of them are killed by the good guys, not the bad guy who's trying to kill the gods. It's it's really That's a weird really? mess in that way. That's a weird way <laughs> to take that, because, like, didn't they just do a show about how, how the Egyptian gods suck? Uh-huh, yeah, they did that. Uh, no, no, Absolutely no crossover with Moon Knight in any way, this movie. <laughs> one, of the, Which, one of the weirder aspects of this movie is because... One of the things it tries to tackle is, uh, are gods useful? What's the purpose of gods? Mm -hmm. uh, except it never really defines what a god is. No, it doesn't example, really, right? For are, are the normal Asgardians gods? Like, uh, yeah, it, it, so it, it I, never says that. So Gore seems to think that the normal Asgardians that live in that village on Earth qualify as gods because they came from Asgard, even though they're really portrayed as just normal people that, like, you don't even see them fight all that much. Like, you, some some of the kids have, like, moxie and fight back, but that's pretty much it. It's 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 weird. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a weird mess of a movie, like, yeah, but... Also, aren't, it, like, most of the Asgardians just people? It's like, like, Thor's yeah. a god and sure, whatever, but, like, they're just people who happen to live in the same place where a god does. Right. Again, and like, we're never told what a god is. Uh -huh. So I, I'm not even sure the movie knows if, like, Jane is a god in it. Because, like, well, it's been in the trailers. Jane gets, like, Thor powers in this movie, right? Uh, Natalie Portman's character. And, and the, like, they never, like, sit back and ask themselves if she's a god now or anything. She's just, she's got, she's got the hammer and she can do Thor shit now. It's, we did but this it's, in the comics a few years ago one, and everyone wanted to see it in a movie. So we paid her lots of money so to come there back. there it is. It is there. And like CG'd up Natalie Portman with the suit and the muscles and everything is pretty sexy. I have to admit that's, 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 a, that's a highlight, but, uh, they don't story wise don't do much with it anyway. Um. <laughs> I, I would say one of the weaker points of the movie is so Gore has has a, a thing against gods because the mm -hmm. gods failed him so now he's going around slaying them, uh, mm -hmm. and and the movie at no point tries to uh, examine this position in counter terms like it never presents yeah. an, an opposition to his ideology. Uh, right. And in fact, when Thor and them go to the god city, it's reaffirmed. The gods do not help people. Yeah, so, the gods suck. Uh, like, the, on the, the only... The on sorry. The, the movie's stance is Gore is correct. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know any other reading. We hear about Jane helping people, but we never see any of the principal characters helping people. 
They help no, the they don't. I mean, they they go to save the kids, and that's like their quest for the whole movie. So that that like that qualifies as helping people, I guess, even though they're Asgardian kings. So kids, so maybe they're also already gods anyway. So it doesn't really count as gods helping people. Maybe it's 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 messed up. And like Thor is kind of a jerk for the whole movie because like it's funny Thor now since the last one. So they have to make Thor funny, and the way they do that is by showing him being kind of a jerk and like doing everything himself and not really caring what like what he's hurting on the way there and it's yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of showing why gore might want to kill him and he has a little bit of like epiphany towards the end that oh wait actually being a dad would be would be really cool and would give my life meaning and it's like it really swerves in that way like in the last half hour of the movie it's anyway yeah, without um, the proper setup for that it, it comes out of left field and it doesn't really feel earned uh, yeah. Also, Thor has a, a major regression as a character to come from. Oh, Thor, he Ragnarok absolutely and does. Endgame and Infinity War, like woof. I mean, yeah, they, they already regressed everything from Ragnarok is in Infinity War, and then he became fat. He became a fat joke, and they undo that at the beginning of this one once again because you have you always have to hit that reset button to make like a new take on the character to make a new looking action figure to sell for this movie. And uh, <laughs> this is the biggest problem. And it, it, big it problem with the MCU like at with this Homer. point is that it mm-hmm. literally just is all the problems of comics have now just more expensive. Yeah. And yes. there's no, and there's like no through line in the movies in this phase at all. Like in the first three phases, you had like every movie, like you felt like it was like drawing you further in because the the the, the stones and Thanos plot was kind of building up slowly. And it's been like it's been like eight movies in phase four so far, and like four six TV shows or whatever. And there's no through line to any of it. There's no plot that to follow from movie to movie. I mean, you just watch a, it, and there's it's, a vague kind of. The multiverse is a thing now, and that's yeah. all you got. But they don't even, like, in this Thor movie, the multiverse is not even mentioned or a factor or anything. Like, it, there, there's there's a thing about the origin of the universe and the creator of, of everything or whatever, but they don't really go into a multiverse theory, a, a multiverse direction with that stuff. It's just... It's just I I don't know. It's a, it's a single which, universe movie, weirdly enough, to say about which, a Marvel movie. Admittedly, but it would be incredibly easy for it to be a multiverse movie because you just right. need to have gore going around killing gods and other universes yeah you think like he gets to the 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 eternity or whatever the creator of of the universe that he gets to that he's trying to get to and maybe he gets there and like he pops into a different universe and thor has to go fighting there or something i don't know oh uh, I-, I guess at that point that would be too much like dr strange too because that's basically what uh wanda was trying to do there but i didn't you know, know i didn't know eternity um, was in this does he at least look all cool and starry made of stars oh, and it shit? Doesn't, yeah 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 it looks like that and it's a pretty cool 3d effect if you go see the movie in 3d because you know but uh it's not really a character it's just a plot device in this i mean but, that's, uh, that's all yeah. eternity ever is but yeah yeah uh <laughs> Yeah, okay. Are, are we all marveled out now? Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have anything yeah. to add? Let's go uh, talk about I, a different Thor now. <laughs> yeah. time, time to examine a Norse-themed episode, which asks the question, what if Thor was the only Norse god? Uh-huh. Yeah, the, so, okay, yeah, in this episode, you're right. That I can assure you that there are other <laughs> Norse gods that exist within the Stargate universe. Uh, Thor is the only one that gets mentioned or is a factor in this episode. You're correct about that. Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, Thor's hammer, uh, Stargate, like, reminds you that it's not a Disney property and that the, the character of Thor does not belong to the Disney corporation and that it's, it's just a mythological character that anyone can use for their stories. And Stargate's gonna use him in this one and ongoing because, uh, Thor and the Asgard are gonna be a big deal Stargate lore, part of, part of the, the story going forward from, from here on. Uh, cause the, the, the showrunners and writers, uh, really like what they do in this episode and they, they, they just run with it. I mean, it's a pretty good uh, like, setup. Yeah, it's a good setup. That's and the problem as soon is as that like, is, that's mostly what this episode is, is setup. Yeah, it, it's set up for, like it's it's weird to like put myself in the shoes of say a new viewer like you Jimmy Dean who is watching this for the first time and doesn't really know what's going forward besides their friends telling them oh this is this is set up for later shit uh that you might think that this is a one off thing but uh like first mention no, I, of the Asgard in this episode is a big deal. <laughs> I know the Asgard show up. I remember I've seen the little gray men. I know. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure they were mentioned in universe at some oh, point. I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they uh, are. <laughs> universe was a little bit more concerned with uh, petty problems. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's that. I, I I believe like universe is one of those since it's post SG one. It's one of those series where uh, they offhandedly mentioned that they have all these this cool tech that they might say at some point. Oh, we got that from the Asgard uh, technology thing because uh, humans are gonna learn a lot of stuff from the Asgard going forward. If, if uh, the Asgard showed up on Stargate Universe, the central conflict would be: Can Robert Carlyle uh, lie to them? In what way can Robert <laughs> yeah. Carlyle deceive an Asgardian? Right, that's 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 a good point because that's all he does on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but no, uh, no Robert Carlyle on this, uh, and no no real Asgard actually either. Just just a just their stuff, just a just their stuff and their uh, nice little hologram that they have a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we open uh, on an SGC briefing where Daniel is. Uh, giving a little presentation about how uh okay so, so okay he says so we think maybe uh, the gold aren't the only aliens that came to earth um and Hammond is like doesn't really get what he's getting that from or anything uh Daniel says I think this is the first time it's mentioned that he doesn't think that the gold built the stargates uh which is like it's framed like a revelation in this moment uh but it, it's pretty much Daniel connecting some dots based on gold uh behavior he turns out to be right about this uh but that that the gold are parasitic and just take over stuff and that they therefore might not have built the stargates themselves um so he goes from that to thinking that there are other advanced aliens, and from that to thinking that maybe they came to Earth and became gods in other mythologies. And so he he, he takes a weird spin at this point, because he yeah, says... his theory is weird. It's like, he's like, there are the two <laughs> yeah. types of gods, slavers yeah. and protectors, and it's like all... Ra was definitely a protector mythology-wise, man. Yeah, that, 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 that's the thing. Daniel is supposed to be an expert on mythology, so... Like, first of all, you would think he would know better than to take that black and white. There's two types of these things. 
uh, approach to a very deep field of science that he studied a lot. Um, for, but for the, example, the other thing like, is, yeah, so... The, that sorry. binary system, I think any animism, uh, like uh-huh. Pantheon, fails it immediately. Right. Because like, like the way he says it, so like, would you say that every Greek god is bad, but like, just read a bunch of different Greek mythology stories and like, like how, yeah, okay, sure, how Zeus you, is a bastard. How would you map but, Thor on, uh, Yeah, how would you, would you map Zeus onto that? It's, he's an asshole, yeah. but he's just kind of like, just doing his thing. Yeah, and he's also, you know, the creator and the biggest, like, hero in Greek mythology is Hercules, and Zeus loved him, so is Zeus still a bad guy, even though he's, like, supporting Hercules, who pretty much everyone would agree is a good guy in Greek mythology, and it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a weird, like, lack of nuance that Jackson is bringing, bringing to the table here, especially since he says, Lo, so I've cut the table in two, I've drawn a line here. On that side, all the bad gods are the ghouls, so all the ones that control people, like the dictators, the evil gods, the, the, the ones who control people. On the other side of the line were the cool gods that gave cool stuff to people, and the biggest one of those was Thor, <laughs> the Norse god of thunder, who really liked people. So, like, I, I just, like, I'm thinking, like, of Norse mythology. Should and like, you have Odin picked was Odin? Like, yeah. Yeah, o- Odin, who was, like, above Thor in hierarchy, who was, like, a warlord and a conqueror and, like, a pretty bloody, like, bloodthirsty guy who went to war and killed a bunch of people Thor's and like brother was Balder, f- who you know actually his whole thing was giving civilization yeah and like Th- thor definitely went on a bunch of fascistic bent ish campaigns of conquest against other realms and mythology and like the vikings would you know tell themselves these stories as inspiration to go and invade other countries on their own because you know vikings were imperialist back in the day uh lest you forget so it's it's like you, you can't really cut history into the way he's doing there, but she sure is doing that. And by doing that, he he very much seems to be framing the the white people gods of the north as good guys and the brown people gods of Egypt as bad guys. And that's that's another problem that we're like never gonna talk about again after this scene because it becomes about aliens and shit, but we're going to maybe slightly reference it later because you know I guess uh-huh. I guess the, the Greek gods are also evil, but yeah, <laughs> but we don't see like there's only one major Greek god that we see on on this show, and he's a bad guy, and we don't really ever mention the other ones much. Like we've we've heard of Pelops last episode, and I guess he was yeah. a bad ghoul who was a Greek god, uh, but that's it pretty much, right? Uh, <laughs> so I, I will note. I do believe so because Thor is a god of thunder. In older texts, he's mm-hmm. he's seen as a god of weather, which meant uh, mm-hmm. farmers loved him. Like that's the whole people revered yeah. Thor. It's it's entirely because of right. agriculture. Mm-hmm. And like I I I would like say like the Norwegian like the Norse mythology. Uh, tended to uh, cast gods as not their adversaries, as their allies, you know? So they were like, ah, die in battle, and we we go to Valhalla to drink with the gods and party with them for eternity and be with them. So in that framing, you can kind of see how they saw their gods as being their friends, unlike, say, the Greeks, who always told stories about their gods being, like, petty and cruel and everything. Yeah, but so... 
but you're you know the core thing of the world is the egyptian gods and they also mm-hmm. love their gods they were also right? pretty yeah. good about them yeah and like you had a bunch of like greek gods uh like isis who was the goddess of fertility in in uh, in egypt and she was pretty much like a uh a counterpart to aphrodite uh it's just you know uh so she made women fertile and like made the fields fertile and everything so and and the nile and everything so you know there there was a bunch of positivity in those mythologies too you, you can't really just say all the gods were bad in egypt and all the gods were good <laughs> in norway because that's uh that's probably problematic right there uh i i'm gonna say it um as a woke moralist uh <laughs> um but yeah uh all of this is is just like to frame that uh the way daniel introduces this concept is uh wrong-headed in, in a way but uh Tilk immediately confirms uh that this uh has the sound of truth because he sees a picture of thor's hammer on the little footage that uh, Daniel is showing them like a, on a, a painting he found. Um, he says, hey, I've seen that hammer before. Uh, it's the symbol of a world called Cimmeria, and the ghoul don't go there because it's forbidden to go there. And uh, I know... I <laughs> he says, all Jaffa are taught the, se- the sequence of symbols to this world so that <laughs> they, ne- they must never go there, which, which has a very... Uh, you know, I have to... I have to know all the porn fetishes so I know never to Google them. Uh, kind of like intonation to me when he says that. Uh, I don't know if you if you see what I'm saying or if it's just like, why why am I bringing porn into this? But for some reason, uh, it made me think yeah, of that. Yeah, it's like, if you don't want them to go there, just don't tell them it. Like, most of the combi- right. potential combinations don't work. Uh-huh. So... Like, the odds that you would, like, randomly stumble upon it when... when uh, randomly dialing a stargate as a Jaffa, which you're not allowed to do, by the way, since, like, only the gold get to use the stargate in their society. Uh. <laughs> what what this episode reaffirms <laughs> to me is that Teelik is the most useful character in a writer's room. Because all they oh, do yeah. is, hey, Teelik, yeah. does this thing sound familiar? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, we all learned not to go there. Here's, I'm just going to do a lore drop for you. Uh, <laughs> I've never done right. this before because it never came up. Yeah, uh-huh. Another another time where he's like, oh, oh, here's some very useful intel that I didn't tell you when you were asking for uh-huh. useful intel to not d- dissect me. Right. Yeah, th- there's that. Uh, it, like, <laughs> it's I feel a like place I'm going to be I, bringing I, that up like all ten, all 10 seasons. Yeah. So why would humans need to know about a planet that we're not allowed to go to ever? That's That seems like we shouldn't go there. Um, but yeah. Uh, they decide, no, we should go there. If the gold hate this place, and there's maybe a good alien that lives there, we should go there and meet him and see if we can, like, team up and fight the gold together. So, the, that's that's the mission. The, um, the, the only way I can think of it, because I teach history, is just if you were talking mm-hmm. to someone who immigrated to the United States, and, like, ten years mm-hmm. later, you're like, oh, by the way, uh, there was this thing called the Spanish-American War. Like, you just never really <laughs> saw an opening to drop that that the kernel of information that uh-huh. lore drop, <laughs> right? So there's that. Uh, there's also another bit of lore drop that Tilk is going to do later in this episode, where he turns out to be wrong about something once again, because <laughs> uh, that's Tilk for you. But at least the way he frames it later on, uh, you can kind of understand why he'd be wrong about it. 
we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, they're about ready to to go through the Stargate, and Hammond comes up with a nice little box with the Carl Sagan uh, naked people on it, and also the <laughs> the, the 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 Earth uh, Stargate symbol uh, in the background of it. Uh, so. He says, hey, this is a box that you should give to friendly aliens if you meet them. Uh, and Daniel comes in and says, oh, yeah, that was, like, that was his idea to have that made. Uh, he names, name drops the Sagan Institute, uh, cause, like I said, uh, this figure of naked people on there is literally the stuff we engraved onto space probes we sent into space just in case, uh, aliens would find them. So, uh, yeah, I guess the Sagan Institute are the people to call to do this. Uh, I guess they'd have to sign some pretty tough NDAs considering there's a Stargate symbol on this box, but, you know, whatever. I mean, um, I guess they, they could have just taken the design from it and then copied it with the and at, with the added... <laughs> I, I, I wonder if, like, figures of waving friendly uh, naked humans is, like, copyrighted to them and they can't use those unless they, they sign off with... Uh, his uh, his institute, yeah. <laughs> but I like uh, yeah, though, because it is on all the space probes. The ad- the Asgard probably like actually have multiple of this stuff already, and they're like, oh, oh, thank. And if they actually got it, be like, oh, thanks, just throw it in her back. Now, what I'm wondering is, uh, Daniel says that inside this box, there's a bunch of documents that details Earth history and cultures and stuff. Not, like, they've, they've seen aliens and they know that ancient Egyptian is a language that is spoken in the galaxy. So I wonder if there's just like a Rosetta Stone of like Egyptian to English with the hieroglyphs next to like English writing to like teach the aliens to communicate, which is like a funny, way to look at uh, the universal language stuff that's, that's been a problem to, to figure out what to put on the, on the Sagan probes to, to get aliens to understand uh, human uh, like iconography and whatever and how to view uh, pictures. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> this is only going to come back up at the end of the episode uh, and it's going to be like actually come back up in a different episode later on. Daniel um, walks up to the Stargate as it's dialing again. They have definitely not decided that it obliterates things yet. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I, I can tell you it's in a season two episode called Prisoners where they decide that the Stargate does that because they show it off in that one. And <laughs> until we get there, they're not going to be careful about it. And probably after either because they, they, they won't remember about this and, uh, except when they need to. Um, so they dial over to Vancouver, but with a big Norse pillar edi- edition this time. Um, so we see we're on Samaria. Yeah, they 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 go to Thor, Thor World, World. Uh, which is you know you, there's the, there's a bunch of medieval looking uh, white people uh, lugging like a wooden cart around, and the big old pillar with a hammer shape on top of it like, that's in, right in front of the Stargate. Thor, couldn't you have abducted uh, them some horses too? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, they do have horses later in the episode. But like, we see, uh, yeah, they, they have they have is, the one horse. They spent they their entire horse budget on Mongolia World. Right. <laughs> That's right. Can't be cheap to rent a horse for a sci-fi show. Uh, sorry. The, the Stargate opens, and uh, we see like 
the the three human members of SU one are once again flung out, rolling out of the Stargate, and Tilk manages to keep his footing as he walks out, which is a pretty funny detail. Uh, they haven't yet decided to do the techno babble where the Stargate doesn't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> guys, I was wondering because we rarely see that. But uh, yeah, they're still uh, having a hard time going through there. Uh, and as soon as they step through, everyone who's there uh, points and laughs at them, <laughs> which is uh, pretty unsettling to them. They go like, hey, uh, we're not used to this welcome, but okay, fine, I guess. Uh, and like all the, the Norse people start uh, pumping their fists and chanting, Thor, they are just Thor, so Thor, hyped Thor. For this. They're just and so hyped looking, for this. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like the, the Stargate doesn't like, turn on quite very often on this planet probably so like grab the popcorn because we might get some peeps get to see some people get teleported or at least scanned at least by our little uh, yeah it's cool we don't get to see that every day um, so uh, when they start chanting Thor and looking up at the, at the pillar uh, O'Neill says okay Daniel start dialing the gate I'm getting a little worried here <laughs> and as Daniel's about to do that uh, a nice blue light shoots out of uh, Thor's hammer on top of the, the pillar and uh, crosses over each member of SG-1 in turn and then stops on Teal'c specifically zeroes in on his belly and Teal'c starts wincing and doubling over and yelling in pain uh, he's having a hard time and uh, O'Neill tries to, like, tackle him out of the way of the beam to try to save him. But as he does that, they both disappear, uh, <laughs> leaving Daniel and Carter to stare at the thing and wonder what the hell just happened. Uh, and all the Norse people scatter after this point. And that's the end of the cold open. Um, so as we cut, as we cut back, uh, as we said, the one horse of this episode shows up. Uh, being ridden by this lady Gerwin, uh, who was, I guess, being fetched by the the people we saw running off just before the opening, because um, they they also run back up uh, after her. Um, <laughs> she she rides up to them and uh, says they're a little short for gods. Uh, clearly showing her character that she's not afraid of gods or anything. Uh, quick quick side note: the Cimmerians uh, are pretty cool whenever they show up they're they're just a lot of fun to be around because uh they they're really not uh much for ceremony and they 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 just you know whatever uh, shoot the shit and go with the flow and whatever and always real place or is did they actually name this planet after the place from conan oh god that's okay i have to check now what is Samaria? Because it's in Conan, it's in this, it's in Power Rangers also. Uh, Samaria. It's a page on Wikipedia. Oh, an ancient name of Crimea, which is the peninsula in uh, Ukraine, or the, the contested territory that's currently in Ukraine and contested by Russia. Uh, I guess that's the ancient name for it. Um, so, like... Oh, wait, no. There's also a continent called that. Uh, an ancient microcontinent, uh, which was located. Oh wait, no, that's like in Pangaea times. So that's way too ancient, too ancient to be <laughs> a reference. Uh, Sumerians are an ancient people who lived in the North Caucasus in the eighth and seventh century BC. Uh, yeah, that's like uh, 
that's uh, Eastern Europe, so it's it's not quite Scandinavian. So like it's a word from it's the human opposite history. side of Europe from where these <laughs> that, people were taken from. Right. Uh, that was it's, yeah. It's just a name. They just took a fun. Yeah. Name. They, so Conan clearly yeah. took that name as like a reference to ancient people, and then other people like Power Rangers and Stargate took that from Conan because whenever you need a planet that has a kind of a similar feel with furs and. Uh, skull caps and axes and stuff uh that's that's a name you can reference to get get to get a feeling across i guess um but there you go that was your uh sumerian history nothing to do with norse people at all um so they introduced themselves to this lady who's named gerwin uh and she says her husband is gone a viking <laughs> and uh Daniel says, oh, yeah, uh, so he went on a boat to raid and, like, trade and uh, do Viking stuff. And she says, ah, that was in the old days. That that word just means gone to town to look for a job now. That's, so, a, that's a pretty good joke. I, I, I guess I it like has, that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't even know if there's, like, a sea for them to have long boats to go on because we don't, we don't see the sea on this planet at all. Um, <laughs> um so they, they talk to her a little bit, and she says, so uh, Thor's hammer took away the two Ettons that were with you, and she assumes that these two people tricked them over there to, to be taken away by, by this thing, uh, and they figure out that Ettons is their word for... I think it's from Norse mythology. Uh, some it's kind one of, of the one of many the kinds of trolls many species of, that... There are a lot of them in Norse mythology. Yeah, uh, right. That's it's, what I was thinking, it's or a, it's elves. Also it's yeah, a monster it's the two-headed ogre in D&D, yeah. but I try not to yeah. say D&D so you when it comes to any kind of mythological thing, because I was super embarrassed <laughs> once about Rakashas. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, D&D, uh, &D, which of course was itself uh, heavily inspired by Tolkien, who was himself very much inspired by Norse mythology, so full circle there. Um uh, so, uh, yeah, she, so Gerwin, uh, like I said, she thinks that uh, they, they meant for that to happen. And Carter says, hey, no, not at all. We didn't know what was going on when we came here. And these two people were our friends. And, like, she can't do much to help them with that because uh, she doesn't even understand how uh, Thor's hammer works. Uh, but, hey, good news. She knows someone who's been through it and they can take them to her. Uh, so they're going to do that. Because, uh, so, yeah, the, when she says that, they figure out, so the beam must have teleported them somewhere. Uh, so maybe there's somewhere we can find them. So, yay, we got to, we get to go on a little hiking trip to meet this lady so that she can explain to us what happened here. Um, but we get to see a little bit of what happened here because we cut over to O'Neill and Teal'c uh, waking up inside a, a dark cave of some kind. Uh yeah, and Tilk wakes up. He says, yeah, he's fine, and so's the gold in his belly, but the beam did, like, hurt it uh, a whole bunch, which, uh, I guess, it transferred the pain over to Tilk, which isn't very nice. But, um, yeah, so they're in that cave, and as soon as they they're both awake, there's a big whoosh, and a big light comes on, and a big, tall... A uh, Viking-looking guy is standing there carrying a hammer with a helmet and, and a big bushy beard. Uh, this is... Hall say, okay, 
I, I had a little pun planned here that I kind of messed up with this introduction, but say hello, Thor, to Hollow Thor, everyone. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, it's not Christopher Heyerdahl, according to um, to Amazon here. So it's going to be a different actor that plays him uh, in a different episode, but uh, not in this one. Uh, but like Amazon is telling me that the voice of Thor in this scene is being voiced by our buddy Michael Shanks, who plays Daniel. So, uh, like I said, he's uh, the voice actor that they often go to when they need one. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, Thor question uh, quotation marks explains uh, that Samaria is a protected planet by a decree of the Asgard High Council. Uh, so, yeah, first mention, mention of the Asgard here, even though it's kept pretty vague. Uh, he says, basically, you know, the gold know about this, so you should have known not to come here. Uh, and, like, O'Neill tries to talk back to him and everything, uh, and it doesn't even listen to them. Because, uh, like, he's going to figure it out in a little bit that he's just uh, recording. I, maybe, uh, cut this out, maybe cut this out, but, because uh, it might be a bit too, too spoilery in depth. Why does the hologram look like this? Mm-hmm. The guy would know what the Asgard are, <laughs> right? I guess. I guess it's it's just in case they have humans accidentally with them, because like the humans can walk out of there unharmed, actually. So maybe they thought if there's a human and we don't like want we want them to still think that we look like Norse gods and we don't want them to walk out and tell the Samarans what we really look like, which. Hey, there's a bunch of fucked up things about this cave. Uh, that's one of them, I guess, because, you know, the the Asgard, good gods as they might be, uh, they sure do still lie to the people they're protecting. Um, I, I can offer a guess. Mm-hmm. As someone who doesn't know where Go the show it. goes, mm-hmm. this this would be my, my speculation. So if the Ga'uld always show up looking like possessed humans... Yeah. Why wouldn't the Asgards also talk to them in the guise of humans? Right. So that's that, that's that's definitely the form that the Asgard have taken when presenting themselves to humans from Earth. For example, the people they apparently took to this planet through the Stargate or otherwise. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a whole thing where I guess it was the 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 hot thing to do in the galaxy was to go to earth and pretend to be humans and talk to the humans and pretend to be gods because at least at least two uh alien, different alien species got on that grift uh back in the old days <laughs> anyway uh the, the 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 i mean the main reason is we don't get to see what the asgard really look like yet because they're like just holding that carrot just out of reach for later in the series um, because it's not going to be for a little bit uh, until we meet the real the Asgard. Outer limits is still using the puppets. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. I don't. I, I wouldn't think they had the appeared first in they the did, Outer they Limits because I like think a, that they appeared one year before. They appeared same year that this came oh. out in Outer Limits. We okay. We checked that the, the other day when I, we I thought, thought but that, I briefly thought it was they originally debuted in X Files. <laughs> Okay, nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that Outer Limits uh, reboot was more recent than Stargate SG-1, um, but I guess it's right around the same time. I mean, there's time. been more Outer Limits reboots since then. Yeah, there's been... It's like Twilight Zone. There's been like six different series, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the one from the 90s specifically. Um, so, 
uh yeah uh o'neill uh, like waves his gun through the hologram to uh demonstrate that it's not a real guy who's there it's just a recording uh he says okay yeah we can just probably move on from here if he's not going to help us uh but Tilk says hey wait we should actually listen to what he's saying though um and thor points with his nice little hammer doesn't look as big as the one in the marvel movies but it you looks know, like an actual uh, he points hammer? towards the direction Something you could reasonably hold yeah 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 yeah, it, it looks like a thing you could swing and not a thing that uh, would just drag your arm all the way down to the ground. Um, <laughs> uh, he points in a direction and says, uh, when you're sick of living in a dank cave with nothing to do and darkness and just like dripping water everywhere and maybe a monster or two, uh, walk in that direction and go through the Hall of Mjolnir, which, you know, we, as we all know, by now, Mjolnir is just the, the, the Norse word for the hammer itself. Um, walk out of there. Uh, the yeah, the ho- he, he spells it out for them. The the human host will leave with no problem. The ghoul that sent them will die when they walk through there. Uh, so this is purely a hundred percent a ghoul trap. I mean, I question that. I question uh, that. No even harm though- a little bit because it's hurting. It's hurting Teal'c a whole lot, and he's not in direct any kind of mental link with his. Right. If it's in your yeah, brain, you, that's gotta think, hurt like, a maybe- lot more. And, like, you, we're going to see Kendra later on, who clearly has a bunch of PTSD about her experience as a former gold. Um, don't know, like, presumably the pain that is felt by the gold as it dies in this thing is also felt by the host. Uh, the other thing is, uh, this machine will just beam Jaffa into the maze and will just kill Jaffa, because Jaffa cannot survive without the the symbiont in its belly so uh the asgard care about the human host of the gold don't care about the last of jaffa apparently uh they consider them to be i guess willing uh collaborators with the the fascistic uh colonialist gold or whatever and uh they deserve to die as enemy soldiers i guess which uh, they're also yeah that is shitty and also the asgard as they're whole you know extremely advanced alien species did not consider that maybe uh individual jaffa might uh not want not work with the gold anymore but still be stuck in their uh in their state as a jaffa and still required to have their larva in in their belly to live uh but you know that goes with later asgard uh, character traits we're going to see, which is that they're very uh, much static and unchanging in their society uh, <laughs> to the point where it's kind of a problem. Um, so yeah, uh, Th- Thor shuts down and Teal'c says, well, you heard that we have to walk over there and uh, then you can walk out and I can't walk out because I'm going to die if I do. So that's... Uh, that's the plan right now, I guess. Teal'c is pretty much resigned at this point already, because uh, that's what you do as a proud warrior race guy. Um, so, yeah, they, they set off. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Carter and Daniel are walking o- with Gerwin over with the hut of uh, the village witch, uh, Kendra, who is uh, sitting with a young boy uh, in front of her hut, and she takes off what looks like uh, one of those gold uh, torture devices that goes on her hand, 
and she she puts it on and like waves it in front of this boy and Daniel immediately thinks she's about to torture him to death and he yells no and they start pointing guns I at mean, her. that's not an unreasonable uh, conclusion. Gar- he's right? seen multiple they, children, they, children die from that at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> they've never seen this actual device and so they would assume that it's uh, one of those weapons. Uh, but Gerwin goes, hey, no, wait, it's fine, actually. Uh, and she stops them, and I guess they trust that enough that they let it happen at this point, uh, because uh, Kendra turns on the thing and uh, says some uh, magic words as uh, to this young boy as she waves it over his wrists. And uh, he, like, he seems to be better. He winces a little bit, and she unties his wrist, and it seems fine, and he runs off. Uh, clearly, he's a little bit afraid of her, uh, because yeah, everything about uh, this lady is extremely uh, witch hermit uh, that lives away from the village. But you go to her for medicine when you need to, uh, coded, I guess. Um, so after that, uh, Gerwin and uh, the two remaining members of SG One uh, go up to meet her, and they chat a little bit, and. <laughs> so they ask her, hey, what was that? What did you do? And she says, well, I just healed him with my healing thing. Um, and like Daniel says, okay, so why did he run away right after you did that? And she says, all right, because of this. And she shows them the scar that she has on the back of her neck. And they once again reach for their guns because they assume that she's a gold. And she says, no, 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 no. I used to be a gold, but I went... Thor's hammer uh, killed the gold and let me out, and now it's gone, and I'm free. Uh, and Daniel immediately clues in that this is very significant because this is the first time they've encountered uh, something that might free people from being a gold host. Um, so he's going to be extremely uh, focused on this idea for the rest of this episode. Uh, he starts to talk, to talk about uh, his wife uh, yeah, to remind he, he us. Has- he displays strong wife guy energy. From oh this yeah, point he, he's all he's all the way back in that mode for this episode because uh, it's 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 a real shitty thing that's gonna happen for a guy who has hopes about saving he his is wife. In such wife guy <laughs> mode that he forgets to be an archaeo. He completely forgets to be an archaeologist for the rest of the episode. Right, he doesn't even mention anything about Norse culture for the rest of it. He just uh, he's just no focused. Need to find the hall of Yolnir. And uh, find this thing and uh, forget about the part where it's going to kill, kill Tilk. Uh, this is more important now, I guess. Um, can, I, can I share a thought I had at this point in the episode? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So, so I know their outfits, they're supposed to be dressed in, in the guise of the U.S. military. So they have their, right. you know, th- that outfit. Yep. Wouldn't it make more sense for them to try to wear something that would be neutral across like any civilization? Like, if they just wore all I mean, black to... and, like, a black cloak, like, if they tried to strike the neutral point of any conceivable <laughs> civilization instead of right. army, like, yeah, green clothing. Yeah, like, yeah, you, it would maybe, like, uh, save them some uh, headaches on different alien planets that they don't know about if they just went there with a mind of... Uh, not surprising anyone there with uh, clothing they've never seen before. Because, yeah, they do stick out. No one else in the galaxy looks like the U.S. military. So every time they meet a new people, they have to explain who they are. Uh, they're not it, hiding it or anything, but it, it is unfortunate it, like if they... The, the, 
the the alien observers in Fringe, the the Watchers, mm-hmm. how they mm-hmm. always just wear suits because you can zap yeah. into effectively 1920 to any time afterwards, and that outfit always yeah. works in every environment. Right, it's it's the men in black idea, right? So it's you know by dressing as that, you you just look like government agents or business people, and you you, you don't stand out on Earth. But yeah, you're right that maybe wearing a cloak or a tunic or something would be a better disguise. But uh, yeah, they're not going to these planets with an intent to deceive anyone. They're just you know they're the Americans. They go there and tell them we're Americans and we're here to just. Do whatever I mean, the mission is, a, and sometimes a, an additional kind of thing is like you put Tilk in the new, in the more neutral general what whatever clothes people are going to immediate <laughs> people are then going to single in on the oh shit that's a the the golden Jaffa symbol on his head yeah yeah that's that's the thing he has a staff weapon and like the gold head uh, forehead tattoo they would know he's if Jaffa. he's clearly dressed not like a regular Jaffa then they might have a moment's hesitation of like okay what the hell's going on here. Yeah, but they might think that everyone else is also the goal, which which you know has happened before. That, that does actually. keep happening. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that would help out like initially about you know the prejudging until literally mm-hmm. the moment you spoke to him because he would immediately like I'm a I'm a former girl, I'm a Jaffa. <laughs> it's the first uh-huh. thing out of his mouth anytime he meets somebody. Right, because that you know that deserves explanation, and like no one knows uh, what Earth is, but everyone knows what the Jafarni gold is. Uh, in this case, on this planet, it was ha ha ha! You fell into the trap. Fuck you, uh, which is a nice change from uh, uh, the 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 usual treatment, which is uh, we fear gold and uh, hide from them. Um, anyway, uh, so we cut back to uh, Oni on Teal in the cave. In the labyrinth, as it's going to be called, because let's mix mythologies while we're at it. Um, Listen, we d- we don't have so, a yeah, no- t- we don't know what the Norwegian word for maze is, and we t- and we're too lazy to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> a Stonehenge or something, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so Tilk is, is starting to say, "Hey, uh, you sh- like if you hadn't tackled me, I'd be alone here, and you'd be free already." And O'Neill says, "Yeah, well." Y- I wouldn't be here to help you out, so like, shut up and let's get, go get through this together. And both walk out of here. Actually, uh, they come up to a little pond and find a bunch of broken bones next to it, which is uh, always a good reassuring, good sign. Um, broken bones and like a little bit of ge- and a little bit of geld. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They 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 found like a, a husk, like a discarded uh, skin of gold, I guess. Yeah. Or no, it's it's just a corpse that's. I guess not mummified, but it's uh, it's uh, an old. It's been there a while. Um, Tilk says, "So these were gold that died at the same time as their human hosts, which is, if you'll recall, not what Thor promised." Um, so they say, "Hey, uh, these broken bones look like they've been cut by really sharp stuff, but not like blades or anything. Uh, more like teeth or claws." So uh, that's a bad. That's some bad news. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay. I don't think we hear or see the thing. Quite uh, you see, yet. you see, a, you um, see it in like a, in a sh- little bit in the shadow. You see some claws, right? Oh yeah, we you see claws that 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 is just like looking at them from a distance. It's like so there far. is something uh, in there. Yep. So, 
back at Kendra's, they're having lunch with her, I guess. Uh, she's giving them some water or something. Um, and she's explaining, uh, yeah, they call it the labyrinth. Uh, I, 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 she says she went there as a gold and she, she like, uh, the, the, the entire time, uh, she was a gold. She was completely conscious of everything that was happening and she just had no control over it. Uh, sorry. Yeah, they say, uh, so she explains how the thing works and, she, uh, that their friend is a Jaffa and he's a good guy. Uh, she says, yeah, I'm sorry. This thing, I don't think he can make it out of there alive. Um, so, uh, th then Daniel asks her to lead them back to the labyrinth and she like shies away and walks off and she goes, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And then there's a little bit of, uh, thunder in the distance on this very bright and sunny day for once, uh, when you might want it to be shitty, shitty weather, uh, they happen to film this on a nice day. Uh, but she, she, she kind of yells back at the thunder because she thinks it's Thor or, or she says it's the Valkyries, uh, on the wind that are talking to her and telling them to help them, I guess. Oh, um, she, she also like directly says what we were talking about, Thor's view of the Jaffa. Mm -hmm. She just outright says it and it's like, oh, that's extra shitty yeah. because like, you, you know how yeah, she, they're enslaved. You were there and saw them doing it. Right. Yeah, you, you would think that sh since she knows everything that the Gwawl thinks, she might know that the Jaffa maybe don't get much of a choice. But then again, she's probably never heard of a Jaffa open openly rebelling against the Gwawl so far. Uh, we're going to see in a couple episodes that it's not quite unpre unprecedented, but out in the open like this is uh, pretty much uh, unheard of. Uh, <clears throat> Which is always a source of confusion whenever they meet anyone who sees he's a Jaffa once again and uh, assume he must be with the gold. Uh, so, O'Neill and Teal once again walking into uh, down a different room of this labyrinth. Um, there's a bunch of lamps hanging from the ceiling and some nice uh, carvings on the wall. Uh, O'Neill wants to test the theory and tells Teal to shoot one of the lamps with his staff. Uh, the staff doesn't work. Uh, O'Neill tries with his gun, and the gun does work, and he destroys one of the lamps, which, you know, you're in a completely enclosed cavern. Maybe don't destroy one of the few sources of light that you have in there. That's not very nice for you yourself or any future people lost in there. You could have just shot at a blank spot on the wall down the, down the corridor or something. Yeah, like the next, the next host who gets stuck in here, stuck in here is, is going to have less lights. Like, the Asgard aren't coming to fix this. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not Castlevania. You're not going to find, like, holy water by shooting on the light. Come on. Um, but yeah, when, when he does that, uh, you see the big scary claw from earlier kind of, like, uh, move a little bit. And, like, we, we pan up to see this thing's face. Uh, and it, like, kind of growls and looks back towards the direction of the gunshots because it heard them. Uh, so uh, it only says, yeah, so I guess uh, the Asgard didn't think guns were uh technology worth uh worth uh canceling in this place uh because they only care about gold weapons i guess uh so he hands uh tilka pistol so he has something to defend himself with if the need arises um so they talk a little bit uh yeah so tilk is saying hey i thought about it he said that only only the host can leave this place alive if we bought shari and skara here we could you know have them walk out and be with your, our friends again, and they wouldn't be gold anymore. And 
Lonya's like, yeah, maybe, but he's thinking, you know, we should figure out a way to get out of here first. Um, is, yeah, so they hear some water splashing. Uh, they go, hey, uh, so there must be something else in here with us. Uh, they don't see it yet, but uh, yeah, that's it for this nice tension building scene. Um, so uh, we're like, <laughs> we're st- still at Kendra's hut. Uh, it's not clear. I, I guess they started walking, but they stopped f- for a campfire to drink or rest or something. Um, I don't think they've left yet. Like, there's no, there's, that's yeah, still they're our house. still. They're still at her place. She's not done done talking to them or drinking tea or whatever. Like now she's uh, doing cause... another ritual to consult Thor, and it's like all, it's like I understand why. Yeah. I understand why Carter's getting grumpy at this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, <laughs> we should maybe get get a move on while there's some daylight left. Um, but Car- they they Carter talk some more about it, and rituals. she explains. No. <laughs> Yeah, um, Kendra explains her backstory basically that oh she was a beautiful child which was a bad thing on her planet because all the the most beautiful people always get taken as hosts. Uh, she explains that while she was a host, uh, she knew she was conscious of everything and she could kind of communicate with the gold a little bit and kind of try to influence it, um, like just as kind of a voice in the back of its mind, I guess. Because that's that's all you can do. Uh, she managed to uh, convince it to to come over to this planet because ah, this planet is probably awesome because that's where the Asgard are. There's probably some cool shit there. You could conquer it. You're probably good enough to uh, get over whatever uh, notice the Asgard posted on the Galactic Forum that said, "Hey, don't ever go to this planet, Gold. It's it's bad if you go there." Um, and she managed to convince uh, this gold to go there, and so they went, and she got stuck in the labyrinth, and she escaped, and then <laughs> she hears the thunder in the distance again, and she goes, yay, it's a sign from Thor that now it's time to go, like, now that it might rain and thunder is a good time to start hiking in the forest. Great plan. Um, I, I, I mean, it, it is mostly because they had no, the, the weather that day was surprisingly good so that's why this guy's uh-huh. clear but there's still thunder necessary for the script but at this point yep. i can't help so they, but imagine like thor is actually somehow monitoring the planet it's just like oh my god just go do it already <laughs> yeah there's a weather machine somewhere it's just like come on come on uh yeah it's it's funny because like when the, the next time we see this planet it's going to be clear that thor has does have some kind of means of communication with this place uh, so he can monitor and keep an eye on it it's not it's just not entirely clear if he does that in this episode because uh, if, if he did maybe he would have like intervened a little bit um, but no uh, the, yeah there, there's an insert shot of like clouds in the distance to support the thunder that we hear and that's it um, so, it's clearly filmed little- on a different day <laughs> yeah. Um back in the labyrinth, uh O'Neill sees some water dripping down a wall and he says, Hey, if we basically says if we wait here for hundreds of years, it's gonna bring down the wall. Uh unfortunately they're not the doctors, so they don't get to do that. Uh reference to a Doctor Who episode in specific. If you don't if you know it, you know what I'm talking about. Um I don't. But uh yeah, there, there there's a Doctor Who episode where he's stuck uh, in a castle of some kind, 
and there's like a, a diamond wall, like the TARDIS is encased in a diamond wall, and he like he kind of like just punches it a little bit, and he eventually figures out that whenever he dies, he's like cloned and like uh, re reborn on this planet and the way he eventually solves it is just by spending billions of years being like punching that diamond wall until he's like big enough through it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, so and it's pretty cool because he's he keeps talking about the fable of the 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 bird that pecks at a mountain and whatever uh, like it's it's a fable meant to explain the length of eternity or whatever and he actually gets an eternity to do this because he's the doctor and he does it it's pretty cool but it's um, peter capaldi with his very thick scottish accent so it's so it's much cooler than we're making a sound yeah it's it's the best capaldi episode by a uh, country mile in my opinion also um I'll, I'll anyway, this is. I'm, I'm not going to watch Doctor Who. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, Doctor Doctor Who is. Uh, it would take an entire other <laughs> podcast to even start thinking about covering it, and I'm sure other people have covered that quite well. Uh, that's not our our mission here. Um, so in, back over in Stargate Land, uh, we, we get to see our buddy James Earl Jones walks into the place. Uh, because uh, that big scary lizard guy we saw is voiced by uh, Darth Vader himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we talked about Conan earlier with Samaria, also the bad guy of Conan the Barbarian. Uh, James Earl Jones is uh, voicing this Unas. Uh, he he introduces himself. He says, "I am Unas, the first one." Uh, which uh, asterisk? Uh, this this going to be eventually retcon that Unas is the name of this species, not this particular guy. Uh, but uh, he's he he may not literally be the first gold who took a host, uh, but he kind of introduces himself as such. And the way Teal talks about him is that there's some kind of ancient gold legend about uh, Unas being the first uh, gold that that took a host and whatever that was in this guy before they discovered humans. But uh, a more uh, accurate way to describe the, the backstory of the Golden Unas is that uh, they were on the same planet and the Unas were taken as hosts by the Gould until uh, they managed to somehow get off that planet and build up their empire and eventually find Earth and take humans and uh, kind of start discarding Unas's, uh as hosts. Uh, so that's been your uh, other bit of lore in this, because uh, this is a densely packed episode, um, as far as that goes. Uh, so the Can Unas, we just talk uh, for a talks second to- about how absolutely crazy it is that they have James Earl Jones for like yeah, James- six lines of dialogue? Yeah, he, he, he doesn't have much to say, but they sure took a big, recognizable uh, voice actor with gravitas to voice their monster of the week in this episode. I mean, let, um, let's ask. This episode came out in what, like ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. So it would have been what? Is, yeah, it's been a while. Like, what is James Earl Jones doing in nineteen ninety seven? Nah, not much, right? It's post Lion King. I don't. Oh, he's yeah. not on TV and anything that I know of. Star uh, Wars hasn't really. I mean, the special editions are coming out, but he's not. Doing but he's work not recording any yeah. new lines for that. Uh, he's just, I don't know, uh, aside from like appearing at cons and, and sounding like Darth Vader, I don't think he's up to much. So he was pro- his calendar was probably pretty free to do a one guest spot on Star Wars and spend like 
an hour recording six lines and then like back home and he, get paid however many yeah he's probably doing like broadway he's probably just doing theater at this point yeah right you think that's but uh yeah it's a good I mean, guess for this show bunch, he's in a bunch of movies i have never heard of at about this time <laughs> all right yeah uh yeah he's yeah, you you know him as Darth Vader, and that's that's pretty much his most famous thing, and that's the main reason why they got him in there because they wanted him, they wanted his voice with this guy. Uh, so he talks to Teal'c in his very distinguished, clean uh, bass voice, and like he sees that Teal'c is a Jaffa and says, "Hey." Uh, as a Jaffa, you should join me, who's a Gould, and kill this human and eat him because <laughs> I'm hungry over here. Uh, and Teal'c says, hey, no, I'm not going to do that. And Teal'c is clearly a bit afraid of this guy. Uh, the Unas like, kind of just whips Teal'c to the side because the other thing is the guy who physically plays this guy somehow makes Christopher Judge look kind of tiny, which is a pretty uh, impressive feat <laughs> because Christopher Judge is a huge guy. To begin with, um, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, th- they do pretty good prosthetic work for the Unas. Like, this is mm-hmm. probably why they only had budget for one horse, right? Yeah, no, that's the 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 the, the big budget for this episode went more mostly in the in this suit and James Earl Jones's uh, salary. Um, but yeah, uh, he swats Teal'c aside like he, like he's nothing and starts walking towards O'Neill. And says, hey, uh, your gun won't work on me. You're fucked, buddy. And Onya says, haha, that's what you think. And he just, like, shoots him a bunch with his gun. And uh, Una slumps down uh, with his back to the wall. And they think he's dead. Uh, Teal'c even checks his pulse, doesn't find any. Declares him dead. So they think. I mean, that's really presumptuous that you're going to find his pulse in the same spot on this lizard man. Right, yeah. This is an alien creature. Uh... He's never like Teal'c has never seen an Unas before clearly because he thinks they're he just a they legend. Were a myth, yeah, yeah. He 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 compares them to vampires basically. Um, uh, but yeah, he 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 checks, doesn't find a pulse. Uh, as soon as they leave the scene, we see that the Unas's eyes glow. So clearly, uh, we're not done with him because there's 19 minutes left to this to the episode. Um, <clears throat> so uh, hiking. We get a bunch, a montage of oh, that's a just literally just a montage of uh, Kendra and O'Neill and Daniel hiking uh, into the night past sunset, and we are we're back in the cave after that. Um, uh, Tilk and O'Neill are just are just walking around, and we hear a growling in the distance, and Tilk is jumpy and turns around, but uh, O'Neill says, "Hey, no, it's fine. I killed him. Don't worry about it." Um, but like they worry, they briefly worry that there might be a, a second Unas in this place. And Teal says, "No, that's impossible. Unas is the first one. There couldn't be a second one, right?" Uh, which is, you know, as I, I as I alluded to earlier, uh, another entry on the wall of things Teal is wrong about concerning the gold. <clears throat> but he's like, he's technically right that in this cave there isn't a second one, and it's just because this is not a case of him thinking he knows something, this is really him uh, interpreting a myth that he's heard, so uh, the, the the accuracy on that was already uh, understood to be low to begin with, so that's forgivable in this case. Uh, 
Yeah, so Teal elaborates a little bit more that, you know, the legends say that this thing is basically unkillable, and if you shoot, if you manage to put one down, it's going to rise again and come after you. Uh, like a vampire. Uh, and he's, yeah, like a vampire, and Teal says, yeah, but that's, that's just, that's just a story. That's just uh, something we, we say to, like, frightened children. Uh, so it's actually fine. It's dead. We killed him. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, and the way he keeps, like, he keeps repeating that it's fine in the way that makes it clear that Tilk is actually afraid and doesn't want to show it, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a real cool character moment to see Tilk uh, keeping uh, his game face on while he's actually scared inside. Not only of the Unas, but of the fact that he can't exit, exit this place without dying, which is also a, another bummer. Um, so we're back on hiking crew, and I guess it's the next morning now. Um, Kendra stops for a second and she says, "Hey, uh, I'm not sure where we have to go from here, so let's let's pause a little bit." And uh, Carter is once again pretty annoyed. Um, so they chat a little more about it. Uh, and Daniel, okay, Daniel wants to know. So, how did it feel when the gold inside you was destroyed? And uh, Kendra understands that he he's worried about his wife. And if he, if he brings her here, she says, "Yeah, it hurt a lot. It was like needles stabbing me inside my head. It wasn't fun." Um, That's right. He, but Daniel says, "Hi," because <laughs> so because there's a thing in this scene about like, well, you know, I had really strong will. That's why I was able to persevere and and, and survive this. And then uh-huh. Daniel's like, "Well, yeah, yeah, my my wife's got a pretty strong will and." The thing is, we don't know his wife strong like enough to like. Sure, Daniel. Oh, okay. I, sure. Like, yeah. Your, your wife didn't. Have I mean, we saw that. We saw them. F- uh huh. We saw them fight together in the movie, and that's pretty much it. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's she, she's strong. I guess we have to take his word for it. But you know, this wife guy is gonna say uh, anything uh, about his wife being the most fantastic, wonderful woman in the world. Um, We've seen about as much of his wife as a host as we had of her without one before. Right, that's that's true. Uh, And uh, Kendra clues in when he says that, that he says, oh, so you're just really in love with your wife, you fucking wife guy, huh? You're just saying that because you love her. And he says, yeah, I do. Come on, give me a break. I really miss her. Um, so yeah, he's saying, "Hey, I, I can hope. I hope I can bring her here and save her from this." And suddenly, Kendra uh, has decided that she's found the path to go forward, and they get up and start walking again, because um, she's like that. Um, are are they already at the Hall of Mjolnir? Yeah, they are. So, uh, Teal and O'Neill are. Wait, no, they're not yet. They're just walking in the in the labyrinth some more. Uh, yeah. We get like a close-up insert shot of uh, the Unas's big claw hand digging into the big gaping green bullet hole and fishing the bullet out of it, and then it yells real loud, and they both hear it at this point. So, no denying but anymore. Where I went to, where I pressed pop, the exact shot I pressed pause on it. It ha- it's holding the bullet like right up near its mouth as it's screaming, and it looks like it's about to eat it. Mm. It's a yeah, it, it is really hungry, as has been established. Uh, that's one of those. That's that's the iron candy right there. Unas's favorite. Um, full of vitamins. Uh, yeah, so like I said, they, it screams. They will hear it. Uh, things are pretty bad. Um, so the next scene is... I don't know what this is exactly. It's looked like, it looks like some kind of channels that were dug into the mountain to... to 
Yeah, so uh, Kendra says that this is uh, Thor built this as like aqueducts to bring uh, water to the village, but it's clearly a real location, so I guess Obviously. it's like, uh, yeah, real. And this uh, is how you, this is how you know that D- uh, Daniel is in full life guy mode because uh-huh. he is not super excited that aliens built an aqueduct in yeah. here. <laughs> Yeah, so this is uh, like this is probably the real aqueducts up in the Vancouver mountains that uh, channel the water down to uh, their. It's like this, this is not like kind of Bronze Age aqueducts that these Viking people reasonably would have. This is no. this looks comparatively modern. Yeah, it's because, made of know, cement and with some like uh, you know I, I mean it doesn't look brand new or anything, but it looks a fair, fairly modern build. Uh, you know uh, anyway. So they, they talk about it some more, and Kara um, is like, "Hey, uh, we've been walking for over a day now, and we don't, and we don't even know if we're any closer to this place. Do you think maybe she's just uh, leading us on, and maybe doesn't even want to find this place where it hurt a lot, and like a bunch of bad memories gave her like some PTSD, and maybe we should like uh, not be following her <laughs> for this long?" And then you like gets gets right in front of her. And says, "Hey, uh, like he says, uh, my heart feels that we have to follow her, even though it doesn't make any sense, because that's the only hope I have, and we have to do this. And it feels like a better argument, like a rational one, would be how, like, we don't know anyone else who's been there. Maybe we, should, like, we don't have a, a better solution than to just follow her. Uh, I, I thought. <laughs> so what else are they going to do anyway? I thought Carter was going to fist fight this uh, new character." Uh, it's like, hey, stop bullshitting us. Stop listening to the thunder and just take us to the place. And Daniel points out that, like, they said that hunters found her, and so hunters don't, like, wouldn't walk straight back home from there. They would have, like, followed game trails and, and everything, so it's normal that they're not taking a straight line, and that, that is taking a long time. And don't worry about it. We're gonna get there eventually. Uh, he happens to be right. Anyway. Um... So, uh, back to, <laughs> back to O'Neill and Tilk. Uh, they're walking around, uh, with, uh, in the labyrinth some more. Uh, they're getting a little bit lost because uh, O'Neill thinks they've seen these arches before. Uh, and then the Unas just walks up in front of, in, in front of them. And he's, he tries to, uh, to a different approach. Uh, he he does some nice uh, choreograph choreography while while he's talking to them. That is very uh, entertaining because he's like giving he kind of gives them jazz hands while he's talking to them, and I really like it because um, the the like the physical actor was trying to give <laughs> an animated performance for uh, James Earl Jones to voice uh, to dub the voice over. Uh, but he's it, he's doing the Toku thing where you overact in this where you overact in the scene. Right. It, it kind of looks like he's giving slam poetry in a I weird way. I thought he was going to continue to do that just he would get shot and then he would pop back up like Gollum uh-huh. and be like, "Hey there, O'Neill, you should betray your friend." <laughs> like some freaky O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like this scene though. I do like this scene because he's giving this speech and they're just like and Jack yeah. just like, and like nah and just uh, shoots him again. At, at this point, this Unas is actually trying to appeal to them and saying, "Hey, we could actually, I could show you where the exit is. Actually, like maybe I don't want to eat you anymore." And Jack, yeah, as you said, he's like, "No, nah, I don't think so. I'm just gonna shoot you again." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> 
which you know uh good moxie on them not trusting this guy but also you know I, I I feel like I would have been maybe that's why I'm not an Air Force Colonel, but I would have given this guy a chance if he's coming to me and saying, "Hey, I can help you," uh, even though he threatened to eat me before. I don't know. He he seemed relatively friendly there, um, but no, just they just shoot him, and he's clearly still not dead because we see him uh, moving his hands and getting back up. Ah, uh, now we're up in the hills with Kendra and Daniel and and Carter, and they find the entrance to the cave, and, like, a nice carving of Thor's hammer over the cave entrance uh, tells them this is the spot, so eat shit, Carter. She did lead you to, to the cave entrance. Um, so they, 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 so they want to go in there, and they ask Kendra, hey, could, do you remember the, the layout in there? Could, could, could we, could you help us, like, actually go in and find them? Um, and she says, ah, it's pretty hard because I was, you know, I was under control of the goal at the time and she kept walking back and forth. She got a little bit lost in there. So, and that was years ago. So it's pretty hard to remember the exact floor plan of this place. Uh, and, and she explains that like, uh, also Thor is in there, by the way. And like, Daniel's like, really? And she's like, yeah, that like, I thought it was him, but, uh, the goal thought it was, he wasn't real somehow. Um, then that he kept repeating the same message. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's not um, clearly not the real Thor. Uh, they keep talking also, and she alludes to the fact that there was a monster in there that was scary and that she's scared and doesn't want to go back in there. And Daniel says, oh, it's fine. You've led us this far. You can stay here. We'll we'll go in there. Uh, and she goes, yeah, okay. And then there's some more, more thunder, and she says, ah, oh, Thor says I have to go with you. <laughs> and so she does. Um uh yeah so now uh yeah O'Neill and Tilk have found uh the fabled Hall of Mjolnir and uh O'Neill walks straight through the weird arch that is standing in the way to the exit door and he actually flips the door open and looks out at what looks like daylight so you might think he's looking straight at the other characters on the other side of the of the door but there's apparently also like a trick to opening the door from the other side that they'll have to figure out. So I don't know, maybe there's some kind of antechamber or something uh, between that and the exit, since it's clearly a set and a location. But uh, you know, so uh, only says, "Hey, I found the exit. Come on, come on over." And Teal tries to follow, but when he steps through that arch, a big uh, red orange uh, energy. F- field appears and he starts yelling in pain once again um because that right there is the actual thor's hammer uh it's a hole that's hammer shaped uh in the wall that you have to walk through um so uh o'neill saves steel by once again tackling 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 him out of it uh back on the inside of the the labyrinth which immediately makes me think a possible solution would be Stick Tilk in there, and while he's wincing in, in pain, tackle him out the other side of it, and maybe then he's fine, right? Uh, <laughs> they don't even try to do that, but, uh, you know, that, that's a thing they might have considered, uh, even though it's risky and, like, is uh, gambling with Tilk's life a little bit. What are you going to do, right? Um, 
but that's not what they're going to do. Uh, so I guess they have their, they're back to Mjolnir now. Uh, and the Unas is once again uh, making noise and coming up to them. So uh, O'Neill figures he could run out right now, but uh, he's going to stand there and help Teal'c uh, fight off this Unas. At least if he has to leave him behind, he's not going to leave him behind with a monster that's going to kill him, at least. Uh, they do specifically say that they're now running out of bullets after kill- having killed it twice. Yeah, that's that's also a problem. Uh, he doesn't like O'Neill is out of clips to reload his gun with, so they're going to be in trouble. Um, they're gonna figure something out in a minute. But uh, now we're back outside the cave uh, with the other guys, and they convince Kendra to, to walk in. And uh, she says, "In the cave, I fought my worst fear, so I can like I've I've already beaten it." She she kind of psychs herself up to walk back in there. Um, inside the cave, the Unas comes back up to them. Uh, only until both look, both look back at the hammer and then at each other. Uh, Teal'c says has a pretty good line he says like are you considering the same tactic as I and O'Neill kind of just corrects the cliche and says it's are you thinking what I'm thinking but yeah uh, he is uh, clearly uh, like yeah we're also thinking it they're gonna use the hammer against the the Unas Um, uh, the Unas comes up and gives a few more lines, but he says, "Hey, one uh, back in the day, all the gold were Unas, and we were, we were real, real cool and strong and proud, and we, we ruled not like they didn't rule the way the gold do now. They just like uh, went around the galaxy and ate all the people they came across." Uh, <laughs> See, this is. Someone mentioned earlier why the Gruul mm-hmm. wouldn't just keep yeah. some of these guys around, and I think this is why. Like, you, you absolutely cannot uh-huh. have these old-time ogres yeah. hanging too, too, out in your organization. Yeah, and like, also literal chaotic, it might be like, like, It's like keeping hungry. a wolverine. It's, it's not good yeah. for the slave population. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, it, uh, he just... Uh, Dives dives at them. Uh, O'Neill rolls to the side and it uh, starts wrestling with Teal'c, who uh, uses his staff as a melee weapon for once, uh, since it's not operational as a gun at the moment. He uses it to kind of wrestle with this thing. Uh, the Unas, like I said before, is huge compared to Teal'c, and it's really apparent in this. He's like he has like a whole head over him. They they really like found the biggest guy they could to cast him in this role. Um, but Teal'c manages to wrestle him until uh, the Unas has his back to the, the, the hammer and then like kind of like shoves him off of him. And then like O'Neill comes back up and they both just start dumping all the bullets they have left into this guy to try to push him into the hammer. Uh, but he like holds, uh, he spreads his arms out to stop himself from stepping through it uh, as they're shooting him. Uh, we see on the other side of the door, the, the, the other guys are there, hear the gunshots, and they're like, oh shit, we, we need to figure out how to open this place to go and help them. Uh, like, uh, they, 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 they finish emptying the bullets, and the Unas is still kind of standing, but kind of slumping, in, uh, almost into the doorway, but not quite into it. Not, not, not deep enough into it to activate it, so uh, they still have to finish the job, so to speak. Um uh, Outside of the thing, Kendra say, says, hey, I learned this from the songs of my people, uh, which is, okay, that's a nice 11th hour uh, knowledge that you're bringing to the table, but sure. Uh, she puts, like, there's a bunch of, like, handprints on the wall, and she puts her hands on two of them, and uh, she, she uh, 
says a little like uh, magic formula, like a, a little rhyme, uh, something about uh, taste the rainbow, uh, stroke the might, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> see the rainbow, test the white, which is the second half of it. Um, and as she does that, like the one of the uh, walls uh, kind of flips open, which seems to be literally the other side of the door that uh, O'Neill was opening uh, just a minute ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, back inside, uh, we still don't see the guy from the other side, the, the rest of them stepping through, uh, but the Unas is uh, rallying and starting to uh, to growl at Tilk again, and Tilk just, like, dives into him and wrestles and pushes him until he's inside into the hammer, uh, but when he, when he's there, the Unas uh, grabs Tilk and won't let him, won't... Uh, both let him like push back out of it to uh, stop the the hammer from also killing him. So they they stand in there for for a while uh, as as the other guys uh, enter the place from the other side and see what's going on. Uh, O'Neill does manage to grab Tilk at the last second and pu- yank him out of the field as it finishes uh, killing Tilk the Unas. Tilk has now killed two Gawood, two Gawood, uh, and he's killed them both by shoving them into energy things. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It's pretty effective at this point. Um, but uh, this thing that we mentioned uh, leaves the host alive. Uh, that works when your host is not full of bullets, unfortunately. So um, the uh, when the when the hammer is done killing the gold, it uh, it kind of steps out of the thing and falls onto the ground, and now it's dead for real because it doesn't have the gold to heal it anymore. Which you know the gold uh, does facilitate a body's natural healing processes so an unas is apparently uh, already pretty good at healing itself but with the gold uh, even better uh, without it not enough to survive that hail of bullets so uh, yeah Daniel and O'Neill and Kendra are there now and uh, Daniel says hey so uh, the hammer works huh that's pretty cool we can uh, we can use this thing to save Shara and Skara and O'Neill kind of just stares at him stone faced and says Hey, uh, Tilk is here, and he has to get out of here, you know. Uh, we're kind of in a bad situation now. I know it sucks, but uh, we kind of need to destroy this thing. Even though Tilk uh, volunteers to stay there, uh, I guess, as long as they need to until uh, they can find Shara and Skara and bring them out of there. Uh, O'Neill says, yeah, no, that's not an option. We can't just leave you in this labyrinth for whoever knows how many years. Um I, it might it might seem like the rational thing to do, but I also get that you know they don't even know how long they they'd be making him a prisoner. So, uh, tough choice. Teal has to be in in the next episode of the show. He's a main cast member, so he has to get out now. <laughs> it it seems pretty pretty logical that they'd have to yeah. save Tealik though. Like your choice is either definitely yeah. rescue your teammate now. Or hope you encounter your wife yeah. at some point in the future yeah. and bring her back here. There's so many pot- yeah. like, potentials as opposed to right. saving yeah, it's, the guy it's, right Yeah, now. and if you don't save him right now, you're leaving him a prisoner in there. And like, yeah, you can maybe bring him food and entertainment or whatever, but he'd still be stuck in this stone room for however many years. It's not a good plan. 
you, you kind of get it. What I don't get is why they have Daniel specifically destroy this thing, though. He's the guy who's arguing against it, and he's the one who has to think of his wife he might never see again while he's shooting this thing. And he gives some really good sad puppy dog eyes as he's doing it. He doesn't like what he's doing, uh, but he understands that it must be done because uh, got a free tilk. Um, so he takes the staff weapon and uh, walks out of the range of the thing and <clears throat> back in the doorway that's outside the hammer uh, aims the thing at the, the top of the inside of the arch shoots it and that gives us a little like wobbly electricity stuff and that's apparently all it takes to uh, permanently it's, disable it's this weird thing coming back, coming back to the so, early episodes because like later Daniel is mm-hmm. such a general humanist like trying to be the moral center of the team and mm-hmm. throughout this season he has consistently yeah. been the biggest shithead on every time he has a chance yeah kind of yeah right he he's just laser focused on his wife specifically in this episode and he's like oh man tilk sorry yeah, but like, even when he's not you know, focused on Charest, it's to- like oh, oh yeah no we can't do anything about them selling carter into slavery Right, because cause it's their culture. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a shithead, but he, he grows out of it. Uh, yeah, and at least, like, Tilk doesn't seem to hold it against him that Daniel was almost arguing for her, for him to stay behind because, you know, Tilk is the one that suggested that option to begin with. Um, but yeah, Tilk walks... But my wife! <laughs> my, my wife! wife. Um, yeah, no. So this is another, much like the Nox, this is another episode where uh, tantalize, also a little bit enemy within uh, episodes where uh, tantalizing uh, possibility of, uh, of getting something that you can like uh, very pragmatically and usefully use in your fight against the gold and the thing you're trying to do, uh, have, have it snatched away at the last second and then you don't, you, you come back home kind of empty handed. Uh, even though it's not it's not all lost in this case because uh, so they they have a little wrap up talk as they're walking back to the Stargate they say Ken, they, t- they, t- they tell Kendra they should probably uh, put a big rock over the cave entrance so that you know the gold don't know that the hammer is broken but the the obelisk at the Stargate should still work so if they just seal up the cave they they it would at least become a gold prison if any further gold do go there. Uh, also, I guess Tilk is on a whitelist now because he's standing there, and the thing doesn't zap him back to the to the labyrinth. Um, it's it's just a it, it has a one once per gold policy. Gotta, this it, thing, it's I guess. Gotta, it's like um, well, he, it's like well, he came out of the thing. It must have been a false positive. <laughs> uh huh. Right. <laughs> I, I wonder if it sent an error report over to to. Thor and like popped up on his ship computer and said, "Hey, uh, something funky happened on Samaria. You you might want to check it out." Um, <laughs> um, but now, nah, uh, like the so, uh, Kendra thanks thanks them for uh, inspiring her to face her fears again, um, and uh, the so she gives them a a, a little f. Uh, <laughs> like a little rune stone, but it's it's a, a Norse rune that looks a little bit like an F. So uh, she she she's giving them her respects by the paying them everyone. by uh, giving them an F. 
Yeah, F's, F's in the chat, F's on the runestone, um, <laughs> uh, and like the, she, she gives that to Daniel, and uh, that reminds him, oh, yeah, I have that Sagan box I, I'm supposed to give you, uh, and he goes and gets it, and uh, gives it to her and says, hey, uh, if Thor ever shows back up, you should give him that, because uh, it's, you know, we'd really like to have a word with the actual Thor if, he, if he's cool with it, uh, which, you know, Kendra, as a human, receiving receiving a box with like naked humans on it to explain what a human is, it must be pretty funny. But uh, anyway, here you go, person who yeah, has very clearly never actually like, met Thor. Have this thing to give to Thor if he ever shows up. Uh huh. Yeah, you're the closest thing to be in contact with Thor we know of. You speak to the thunder and everything. So should he ever show up, uh, give him this. Um, yeah, uh, we're never we're never gonna see Kendra again, but the box is gonna uh, reappear as a, a plot device in a future episode. Uh, tantalize. I, I I've used the word tantalizing twice now in the past couple sentences, and uh, I'm trying to uh, allude to the fact that the next episode is called the Torment of Tantalus, <laughs> and uh, it's gonna be another one of those where uh, you know. You think you're gonna have something cool by the end of it, and you kind of not don't have it. Um, but also, uh, it's gonna be in in some ways an, uh, another cool lore follow up to uh, the last couple ones we had. Uh, it's gonna tie up a, 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 a couple of plot threads that were separate together. Uh, if you read between the lines, uh, but that's next episode. Uh, this is the end of this one. What? Yeah. What no, an I ominous mean, the, warning. <laughs> the next the next episode uh, ends poorly but there's a lot of lore because it, it's kind of a running theme <laughs> in this season like early on is they, they don't want to power up they, they don't they, they don't want uh, the, the humans on Stargate to have power creep too bad so any anytime they have something that they might use, they they always end up taking it away, and that's 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 something that happens over and over in in the early seasons, especially season. Except one. for all the things um, that they do actually so get and, so and then forget that they have, which would be super powerful. Like, oh hey, yeah. you, the nanites from last episode. Right. Yeah, the, yeah, the 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 nanites that make you old that are never going to be mentioned again, and you know you can still. You might still be able to trick a gold to go into Samaria and get imprisoned in that cave. Uh, that's not nothing, but, you know, it's not what they were hoping for. <clears throat> so that's it for Thor's Hammer. Uh, we have a couple questions that I uh, that were uh, posted in answer to my request for it on uh, the Jaffa Takes Twitter account, which is at Jaffa Takes. Uh, if you go there on the day we record, which is usually on Saturday on Sunday, and you see the post where I'm asking for questions, you too can have your question asked and answered on this podcast, just like Aurora Borealis, who asks, what superpowers would you give the SG-1 team? Um, it's funny, you, you ask that, uh, Casey Cosmos, because uh, SG-1, there is a later episode where SG-1 gets uh, kind of flash powers, so that's a thing that uh, happens at some point. Um, I don't know what. El- when you say flash powers, do you mean there's an assistant <laughs> off screen who uh, fires an air cannon at some paper no. whenever they run? I don't. E- I'm not even sure what you're referring to. I mean the guy who runs fast. The, how the effects uh, are done on this show. <laughs> oh, it, so so in the flash, anytime he. Yeah, it's anytime he uses his speed. There's clearly someone. Uh, off oh, camera 
with yeah, an yeah. air uh, blower, and they immediately just uh, get yeah, you're a, right. A Sorry, stack of paper. yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm referring to the Flash show, also shot in Vancouver. Uh, no, in that episode, there's I don't think they do the paper thing. Uh, they also, you know, it's an older show, and they don't do the running effect too much. They they they, they do it like as a blur. They don't do the the crazy CG, this crazy bad looking CG stuff that they do in the Flash. Um, but uh, yeah, pa- superpowers uh, aside from like Teal'c's. Uh, resilience and uh, Daniel's knowledge and Carter's uh, science knowledge, I guess. Uh, also, Carter's stuff that she has going on later on as a more general thing, um, which, you know, a bit of spoilers doesn't really qualify as a superpower, but it is something. Um, <clears throat> I want I want Daniel to be able to log on to the internet <laughs> with his brain. <laughs> So anytime a question gets asked, he's immediately like his eyes can yeah. doing that thing from Dune, and then he's like, "Oh, to, I just to, read to be a mentat." Yeah, he, Daniel works. is just uh, Daniel. Like yes. he, if if this was set like a, a bit over a decade later, he would just, I guess, no, there would be no network on, a, on an alien planet for his iPhone. To he just to downloads connect Wikipedia, to. downloads uh, every page yeah. of Wikipedia onto his onto his tablet. Yeah, and just have that going around. That would be really useful for him to have. Um, but yeah, if that was in his brain. By the way, I don't know if we. Sorry. I I don't know if we talked about this early in the episode when Daniel is briefing the team on his theory about a, a good uh, alien race. Uh, he mentions like, yeah, Thor and Thor's hammer, as mm-hmm. we all know, Thor's hammer. Uh, I was very upset that no, Daniel could say not say yeah. Molnir. Like, no, he just but, uh, among like the the only person who says Mjolnir is the Hollow Thor in this episode, and then like uh, O'Neill mispronounces it for a joke after that. But um, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is kind of, yeah. But they they do use a bunch of like uh, Norse words in this. They they say like uh, the SG one introduces themselves and say they're from Midgard. Which if you're watching this in '97 is very exciting to you because you're playing Final Fantasy VII and you know that Midgard is cool. Um, but uh yeah. <clears throat> no, they don't they don't say Mjolnir. It's not uh the Thor movies haven't happened yet, so that's not a common word that everyone is familiar with. I mean the uh, target audience yet. of Stargate has probably read some Thor comics. Oh yeah. I mean I don't okay, Thor is is a guy I barely understood or was familiar with as a comics guy when I was growing up uh, in the 90s. He was way down the list. Uh, I, I, I was like kind of aware. I've seen picture. I'd seen pictures of him in the comics, but uh, that there was I mean, that was I, I as much the as I knew about it. Were kind but, of a like, not great trade for Thor. It's in between the Simonson yeah. and the 2000 stuff where they start trying to do stuff with him again. Right, well, in the, the two thousand stuff where the movie rights were elsewhere, and they they didn't want to use the X Men and Spider Man and stuff, and they went over to Iron Man and Thor, and because uh, of the movie. Speaking movies, of yeah. Thor, it's like if we're going to talk it, about everyone else's superpowers, it, Carter basically it could make a make an Iron Man suit in a cave with a box of scraps, especially later season. Oh, yeah. Carter, she's she's got. Yeah, she's got she's got all the science stuff. There's like there are bad guys late in later seasons that basically have Iron Man armors. It's 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 not very different from the stuff that uh, Iron Man does have. So uh, a lot of crossover in the power sets, um, of course. How 
how could I forget? Uh, Tilik, just give him yeah, all basically. the powers yeah. of Martian Manhunter. He's, he's already Martian Manhunter. Yeah, he's already got that personality. Just just make him a shapeshifter. That would be cool. Uh, that would like that you would replace the funny hats with just him turning into a different guy. That would be cool. Um, Actually, I'm wondering that. Has Christopher? Uh, yeah. Has Christopher Judge played Martian Manhunter? Because he would be good for that. Yeah, he would. I, I, I would be surprised to see if, if he had, but who knows? He's done a lot of voice acting. Quick. Hop over on IMDb. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, he's played Black Judge. Panther in the in the Bad Avengers game. Oh, oh, nice. I didn't know that. Um, uh, let's see, nope, Martian nope, nope. and. it's funny because on the imdb uh page where i'm looking at christopher judge i control if martin manhunter and there's one hit because there there's a a news thing on the side of the thing that says martin manhunter casting picks because uh people are uh they're wondering if that character is going to show up on the dc movies and who should play him uh but no 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 relation to christopher judge okay Um, anyone who's paying attention yeah Christopher Christopher Judge from Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, like to answer the last part of this of the question, O'Neill with the Captain America powers seems like the most obvious. Um, okay. Uh, second question in the same tweet: Why is Thor's greatest weapon just the doors from Portal that erase items so they can't leave the room? <laughs> okay, that's a good observation. Yeah, it is. It is similar to the. I don't. I forget what what they call it in Portal. The the the, the field that, that that takes like that if you're carrying a box because if you broke the game and are trying to sequence break, uh, the, it's the field that's supposed to stop you from carrying a cube to the next uh, room. Even though you know I've seen speedrunners do shit to uh, to go around that. Um, yeah, I mean. Yes, that's not much of a question. Also, it's not Thor's greatest weapon. We're going to see a lot of shit Thor does. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, there's some like questions about the practicality of this thing. Like the the thing we mentioned, where he doesn't even stop to think about what this is going to do to Jafar, um, seems a little bit cruel for what it is. Uh, but you know. That's, Especially that's the since Asgard the Jaffa are the ones the, most likely to be able to get here in the first place, specifically for that purpose. Right, because the gold might send their Jaffa first to check if it's safe, and they would be the ones stuck in there, and they would be the ones to die. And I guess to to an Asgard mind, these are the soldiers of the enemy, and if they die, whoops, that's just the wages of war, buddy. That's a problem, but yeah, you know whatever yeah it's 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 not cool but it is something i mean it's <laughs> um it's it's gone now anyway it doesn't exist anymore it's not it's they're never gonna find another one of those or ask the asgard to build a different one that's just uh it's gone now they, they destroyed it um comics cowboy asks us which members of the sgc would be able to lift marvel thor's hammer uh, the only one that comes close in my mind is Teal'c. I mean, yeah, uh, it's definitely Teal'c, but, even yeah, though, but like, he wouldn't because it's a weapon of because it's a weapon of a false god. <laughs> right, that's the thing. <laughs> I, he Teal'c would be more like Gore the God the God Slayer, uh, as we alluded to uh, <laughs> when we talked about Love and Thunder. Um, but yeah, he, he like Teal'c is the one who is 
the most worthy of the power of Thor because he's not affiliated to the U.S. Uh, military. He has uh, renounced his false god and his past wicked ways as uh, an instrument of uh, imperialism, even though he's not done like... There's going to be an episode later on where he deals with uh, some fallback, fallout from uh, his time as Apophis's, uh first prime. So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I feel in his heart he's uh, he's got it. Um, and and Daniel, as mentioned, uh, way too fickle with his more with his morality. Uh, <laughs> will turn on a dime and say the most heinous shit and uh, unexamined white privilege uh, in his position as an archaeologist. Unfortunately, that's what uh, precludes him from uh, being able to do that. Carter just wouldn't. Carter just wouldn't really. Uh try should be all <laughs> yeah she she she'd just like uh, the only the only thing she'd want to do with it is run a scanner on it and yeah, figure no, out how it works and how it can modify its mass she would definitely try and plug things into it to that but she'd like not really care yeah. about picking it up uh-huh. she'd be more of a jane foster kind of situation who you know she does end up with yeah. a hammer over there but uh yeah uh <laughs> And there would definitely so, uh, be an extended gag of Jack trying and failing. Yeah, no, Jack would not be able to move this thing in. She's way too wicked. Um. <laughs> Ultimately, we just don't have enough characters to really. Yeah, no, I don't answer the question. Like it's Teelik, but he wouldn't, yeah. and all the other three fail. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, yeah, uh, we don't. Mm. I I I can't even think of anyone else. Like uh, all the other people we've seen are bad guys. Like maybe Scarlet would be able to pre being uh, like invaded by gold or something. I don't know. Uh, Here here's my wild answer from the hip. Uh, ben Browder joins the show eventually. Why not Ben Browder? Sure. You know, why not? Uh, it's not Thor's hammer, uh, but there is a notorious <laughs> weapon that is hard to 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 lift. Where he Ben Browder is gonna have an interaction with that. It's really hard to talk about it without saying what it is. You've probably already guessed it from my extreme, uh, extremely obvious uh, ways of describing a thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, he, he finds fi- fi- We get it. He draws yes. the sword. Yes, Cameron Mitchell is gonna draw Excalibur from out of the stone. That's the thing that's gonna happen <laughs> in Stargate. I'm sorry. So there you go. He he probably would be able to do it, even though he's also a military guy. Um, but I mean, if, so if is Captain America. Be, uh, and if we're he's done it. So go go talk about the future characters a little bit. Claudia's Black's character definitely too, would too, and then she would just steal it. Uh huh. You think she'd be able to lift it? I I don't know. She's pretty wicked. Uh, she's she's a liar and a cheat and everything. She's she's like a a kind of Loki ish character in a way. Um, Anyway, uh, so that's it for questions this week. Uh, you can, as, as mentioned, uh, go on the Twitter at JeffaTakes to ask them or send an email to JeffaTakesPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow my personal Twitter at the real Simbin to uh, whatever, like, to see me be way too online and post way too much about my life, to be honest. Uh, if you're into that, you can follow me there. Um, M, is there anything you'd like to play? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M of at M of Healy. Yeah, that's... Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Dean, uh, any TV shows you want to talk about? Uh, I, I'm, I've been watching nice. Cheers. The, 
the fourth season of <laughs> Cheers. Uh, I also jumped back to Angel and Ooh. Buffy after taking a two-year oh, nice. break from them. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Fifth season of Buffy, second mm. season of Angel, and I do the uh, comprehensive watch order, so I'm ping-ponging yeah, back and forth that's good. between that's, them. That's a good era for these shows. Like, season five is the last good Buffy season, probably. I mean, season six was okay, I guess. Um, but that was, like, a peak of these shows. Well, maybe not. Uh, season three of Buffy was probably the best one, actually, but... Um, yeah, and Angel just got better and better, and then it was cancelled, so that's a, that's a good spot to be in. Uh... Even, yeah, everything about Joss Whedon aside, uh, Buffy and Angel, I haven't watched these shows in like a decade, but I have fond memories of them. Uh, good shows to watch if you haven't. Um, so that's it for Jeff Takes this week. Join us next week when we do The Torment of Tantalus, and I will tantalize you with <laughs> the knowledge that this is coming up. Uh, and Uncree. <laughs>